We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Happy weekend, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And now he has finally gotten over the Ruby Hachimura trade. He's ready to join us now. It's Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, wow. how are you, brother? That is one way to put it. But, man, I am back. Never <laughs> like to miss an episode. And uh, hey, these Pacers, I mean, I, I missed the Bulls win. I know you, you, you touched on that. Good to see them get back in the win column. I know it didn't last for long. But still a, a lot going on with this team that we could talk about prior to the weekend. Yeah, so I, there's a lot of ways we can start here, but I think we should start things off with the news that broke today. We're recording this Friday before the Pacers-Bucks games, uh, or before the Pacers and Bucks play their games. So just wanted to give you guys a little heads up there. But Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, in front of the show, put out a little bit of an update here on Daniel Tysfachi, and it looks like he's going to have some time to practice because the Pacers play Friday and Sunday, and then they don't play again until Thursday. So it looks like he'll have time to practice those two days and could be available to play Thursday against the Los Angeles Lakers. Are you a little bit surprised that he might be getting into the rotation? Uh, I, in the beginning of the season, yes, definitely would have been surprised. By now, it seems like Tice is someone that you know either they actually value or would like to get his value up. Now, when you're talking about February 2nd, the Los Angeles Lakers potentially making his debut, Alex, that is exactly one week before the NBA trade deadline. Do you think it's just a coincidence or do you think maybe, look, you know, the Pacers could look to feature Tice a little bit to show that he is healthy for any team that's looking for a backup big? Yeah, I definitely think that's something that is probably in the back of a lot of Pacer fans' minds. Like, okay, they're going to show Tice is healthy. Maybe they can get him, uh, you know, they can trade him for something. But I, I kind of think, too, another way to look at this is, 
we don't really know what's going on with Miles Turner still. Mm-hmm. And this could be nice insurance if you do have to trade Miles Turner and you don't have another center coming back in return. Because look, at the end of the day, at this point, it's been hard for Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson to get consistent run at the backup center position. It looks like Carlisle is just kind of like playing musical chairs with that position, trying to give other guys opportunities. We've even seen, we've seen Terry Taylor over the last couple of games, get some more minutes there at the backup five. We've even seen them go a little bit smaller. I think O'Shea at one point against the magic played backup five. So I think with what the ultimate goal is, is trying to set this culture, you know, continue to establish these players. I think, Tice is also just potentially good insurance if you do have to trade Miles because, no, you're not going to start him, but at least it's nice to have that reliable veteran that's been there and done that on the floor because while he's not a great player, he can still, I think, provide more consistency than what we've seen from the young bigs. No doubt about it. Tice has been around the block. He's played in big games, big series um, with the Boston Celtics, of course. I think that it's it's good to be able to finally get him out there. The Pacers did not rush him back. I don't think he's going to be able to do that much within a week to really up his value to the point of anything more than maybe a second-round pick or being included in a deal. But, you know, still could get some money off the books for the Pacers for next year if they do elect to move him. But if not, it's it's still a great insurance option to have. And you talked about there's a lot of bigs. You throw Tice in the mix, I'm sorry, but someone's got to go. And you know what? Maybe if Tice does look encouraging and it's just a week, maybe that is the, the opportunity to set Goga free and, and look to trade him elsewhere or anything of the sort. It's not like that's going to be a, a major you know factor on the season. But if Tice is good to go, it's less minutes for other bigs on this team. So yeah. it's something to keep an eye on. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see him make his Pacers debut. I'm not saying it's must-watch television, but hey, this is someone there was a lot of questions about before the season started and not enough answers. It seems like we're finally going to get to see Daniel Tice in a Pacers uniform. Alex, I never thought I'd see that day. What was our bet that we made in the offseason about Daniel Tice playing? Because I feel like there was something along the lines of, like, you said he wouldn't play, and I said that he would. And you said something about buying a jersey. I'm pretty sure of Daniel Tice as if he were to play. Now I'm not remember. I'm not sure if you said if he plays in a game or if he's here by the end of the season. I'm I want to say it's the I, latter. I, I think it was the latter. I think I might have said that he doesn't finish the year as a Pacer. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go back and try and find that in the <laughs> archives. But oh man, I mean, you gotta so lose like, some money, baby. Yeah, I don't. Something might be going on because <laughs> I definitely remember making some sort of bet. I'll give you that. Well, I'm. I would be. I'd be cracking up if like the Pacers front office like randomly listened to this episode uh, when you were talking about Daniel Tice and they're just trolling you because every time you've been in the building they've been getting losses. <laughs> so they just I keep know. Daniel Tice to make you uh, buy a jersey. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god, a Tice Pacer jersey! If I see a fan <laughs> rocking that, I'm gonna have to shake their hand. You know, I honestly think what we should do is if Daniel Tice finishes out the year, you buy that Daniel Tice jersey, Pachi. You own up to the bet. I'll buy a Tristan Thompson jersey, oh and we'll do God. a live podcast together in our Tristan Thompson Daniel Tice jerseys. Wow, that that is something <laughs> over there. Curious to see if the Pacers, if you could ever find a Tice jersey for the Pacers, or if it's got to be customized. But you might have to pull some strings to find one of those bad boys. Same with yeah. Tristan Thompson. 
<laughs> uh, it'll have to be a custom one for Tristan. That's for that's for dang sure, Fachi. But let's move on now into another topic of discussion here that's pretty noteworthy, and that is the all-star voting for the starters. The starters were announced on Thursday night, Fachi. Give me the update on who was selected and how the votes went. Man, so interesting, you know, for, for the starting lineup for the East, it's at point guard Kyrie Irving. Yeah. You got Donovan Mitchell at shooting guard. You got Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Giannis rounding out the starting five. So it's interesting because you're talking about Joel Embiid, who's having a really good season, left out of the starting five. But most important to all of us, our very own Tyrese Halliburton, not elected as a starter, it, it, a tough pill to swallow, but I think that he actually performed really well with some of these, you know, some of the votes. And I want to tell you where. The media rank, Tyrese Halliburton finished number three, mm-hmm. all right? And um, then you're, you're looking at fan rank, uh, Tyrese Halliburton in the eighth spot. That's not where you wanted to be. Well, and then, it's, it's pretty good for being in Indiana and not being it, it super, super popular. Yes. Yes, like, look, it's not like that's this, like, awful, awful ranking, but we knew that the fan voting needed to be a little bit higher for him in order to have a true shot as a starter. And then with the player, player voting, he finished number six overall amongst, and when I say this, I mean this as, like, in terms of first position. So he finished as the the sixth highest ranked player that was voted amongst the players. So that's guard, guard. Okay, yeah. So number six in guards amongst the player vote, number eight in the fan vote, and number three in the media vote amongst guards. So basically, long story short, he was the best guard not selected as a starter. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, Jalen Brown probably would have got oh, J- Jalen Brown, yes. Jalen Brown would have, would have edged him out, but Tyrese Halliburton was uh, was very close to it. Yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew he was very close. I, I honestly thought Jalen Brown. It should have been between Jalen and Tyrese, based on how yeah. they played this year. Kyrie, I think him getting the number one vote for the player vote was a little bit surprising for the guards. I it believe really it was. was. I was like, okay, I get it. Like, I get it for the fan voting. Kyrie's pretty popular. He's got shoes, that kind of thing. He's been around for a long time, but a lot of guys in the league really respect him. And then I think a couple that were really interesting there, Fachi, with the player votes. At number four, DeMar DeRozan. And then at number 12, Trey Young. Trey Young fell all the way out of the top 10 of the guards based on how other players uh, voted for him. And I think that's a reflection of how people feel about Trey Young. I think it is. I mean, you, you could look at it right there. Trey Young, you know, good player. Sometimes his stats do feel like a little bit, little bit empty at times. And clearly that's what the players think of him. And that, that says a lot. And then also you can see, for, you know, for Kyrie Irving, while he was number one in player rank, fan rank, number four in media rank, I don't think that's a surprise. You know, the mm-hmm. media has had their battles with Kyrie. So for Halliburton, I think that those are solid votes for a player in just year three playing in a smaller market compared to, you know, a Brooklyn or or maybe like a Boston. So I, I think that that's good, but I, I do think that in, in years to come, he's going to be even more popular with the players, the fans, the media, and everything of that sort. So I'm really looking forward to that. This was a good step forward for Tyrese, but I think that next year with the All-Star game being in Indiana, him being healthy, him being just another year into the league, this is a massive opportunity for him to be a starter in the All-Star game in Indiana. I mean, does it get any sweeter than that? No, I mean, it really doesn't. And I think what's really interesting is once you get the total weight of the fan vote plus the media vote, 
plus the player vote, he was fifth overall. The only four players ahead of him were James Harden, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell. And if you want to look at who plays point guard, it's really only Kyrie Irving now. I know James Harden handles the ball a lot as well, so you can call him like a you know, a big point guard if you want. But I, I would really just say him and Kyrie are probably your two most yep. popular, two best point guards in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, it is going to be exciting for him to be here next year, and, and hopefully he does get the nod as a starter next year in Indiana because I will be completely stunned. Like, it'll be like – Stone Cold Steve Austin stunner type feel. Love me a good Stone Cold reference. Yeah, if he doesn't get it, because there's no way that that Tyree should not be an all-star this year. He's been lights out, but we'll have to see how the coaches vote. And I had Dan Favalli on when you were out, and I just kind of asked him, I was like, you know, what's the one thing that might keep someone that's like uh, Tyrese off the off the ballot? And I said, how do coaches usually vote? And he said, coaches usually go for veterans. They respect the older guy. So Hopefully, it doesn't mean that a third-year player like Halliburton gets snubbed because, you know, someone like DeMar Rosen having a good year has been an all-star before, and it's like a respect thing. I, I kind of don't like that. I think you should reward the guys that are deserving of it. Hey, you, you totally should. Um, uh, this hasn't – this can't be off of, like, merit. This isn't like a, a corporate job where it's like this guy's been here for 25 years. We're going to give him the role over the new guy who's performing very well. It's you go with the best players, and and I think that for Tyrese Halliburton, he's taken a big step forward. But I think what's really been eye opening this year is a how wrong Wally Zerbiak was, and that everybody came to Tyrese's aid to say no, 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 like actually this guy is an all star. I really think it woke people up. And then next, his absence for the Pacers, they they look like there's no way to put it. They look like potentially the worst team in the NBA without Tyrese Halliburton. And with Tyrese Halliburton, they very much look like a playoff team, if not for sure a play in team. So that's showing the value that he's providing that without him, the Pacers look like what Vegas predicted they would be coming into the year with him. They look like a team that on any night could upset any team. Man, he really does cover a lot of ground for this Pacers team because it has been bad and Fachi. It wasn't, horribly bad against Orlando on Wednesday night, but you know, it just, they just, I don't, I, I don't know. Aaron Neesmith still have been struggling. Jalen Smith. I don't even think he played in that game. It, it's just been a weird, weird, weird stretch here without Tyrese Halliburton. The Pacers have just won one game against Chicago Bulls. And I really didn't cover it too much. Just kind of brought up that they actually broke the losing streak, but now they're starting a new losing streak. Hopefully they don't make it last super long, but you got the bucks and the Grizzlies on the weekend. It's going to be a very, tough challenge here and obviously like i said we're recording this before the bucks game so you know you might hear this after the bucks game is over and we might have won or lost but still it's just this is a tough spot to be in and i think like you said it shows how valuable tyrese is to this team and that might be his best case that there is for why he should be an all-star it's it's just the truth. It really is. He's showing so much value by not being on the court, and that's a hard thing to do. But you talked about the state of the Pacers. They're 24-26 and 26 while we're recording this. They're in the ninth spot. They're one game up on Washington Chicago for the 10th spot. By the time we do our next episode, Alex, there's a chance that we're on the outside of the play-in looking in. Mm-hmm. So things are not going the way that we want them to go. That Bulls game, I really hope Pacers erased a 21-point deficit. I thought maybe that could have been a bit of turning the tide. But the Orlando Magic, despite their record, have been playing very good basketball lately. They really have. They pounced on us early. 
46 points to in the first quarter. They were up 11-0. They never looked back. Pacers tried to make it close in that game, but just without Halliburton out there, it feels like this team, they, they just don't, they look a little lost. And, mm-hmm. and Halliburton's IQ is what makes him such a special player that he could see plays that others can't. And as good as TJ McConnell has been, and I know that Nemhard's been out lately, it's the, the hole to fill of what Tyrese Halliburton brings to the table. It's just too large for this Pacers team right now, given how young they are. So, mm-hmm. man, I can't wait until he comes back. I know at this point, it's about a about a, less than a week away. I mean, I'd say it's, you know, we're recording this on the 27th. We believe Halliburton, we said, should be back by the start of February. Is that February 2nd, the first game against, against the Lakers? Or, or is this, you know, a little bit into February? We don't know yet, but I think that we'll get a bit of an update in the next few days. I would hope so. Yeah, and I would say, like, from what I heard from Scott Agnes on the radio, uh, he does a great job going on the radio and giving some updates. But it's more the elbow than it is the knee, which is always a good sign. Uh, we, we know that Tyrese has a, you know, a lot of pressure on him to use that elbow for not just shooting, but playmaking and stuff like that. So you don't want to come back too early. But I think if there's anything that would be motivating him more uh, than to get on the court and, and helping his guys win, it, it'd be that homecoming game against Sacramento once again because – since he's been traded, he hasn't got a chance to take down his former team, the team, the Kings. And he was not very good in Sacramento in his return and his debut back in Sacramento. So I personally feel like we might, if he's healthy, we might get a chance to see some redemption for him. Like we saw him go against the Miami Heat after just scoring one point and then having a career high 40 plus points, right? So this is where I feel like Tyrese will probably come back. On Tuesday or on Thursday against the Lakers, get his feet wet, maybe play like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, like not play the full 35, 40 that we're used to seeing. And then that way he'll be able to play again against the Kings. But you know, we talked about it to start the show off with what a what a disappointment from a disappointment that would be for Daniel Tice for Tyrese's return to overshadow his uh, overshadow his debut. <laughs> Hey, you know what? If you're Daniel Tice, you might just get overshadowed by a guy like Tyrese Halliburton <laughs> from time to time. It's going to happen. But talking about that that Kings game, uh, last time, I mean, emotions were just way too high for, mm-hmm. for Halliburton. I felt like he, he was trying to be too aggressive in the beginning when the knock on him at times has always been, hey, he's not aggressive enough. He went completely another direction. I think with this game being in Indiana, I think it gives him a good opportunity to be like, all right, let me, let me take it easy and play my game. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. Look, the Lakers, Kings, back-to-back next week. I think those are great opportunities to try and get this team healthy at, at, a, at a time where we really need it because the season's going in a completely different direction. And a lot of guys have struggled without Halliburton that I think they're, they're probably asking him as, as much as we are asking, Tyrese, when are you coming back? But when you're talking about that elbow – Saw in practice a couple days ago, Halliburton went 23 of 25 from three. Yes, he's not being guarded, but it's a very encouraging sign to see that, sure, the elbow is probably still acting up, but it doesn't seem like it's something that we should be overly worried about, but something we should for sure keep an eye on. It feels like to me if the playoffs were happening right now, he'd be playing. He'd be out there. Yeah, it, it just kind of feels like they're being extremely cautious with this. And you didn't. we didn't bring this up either, but Miles Turner – Twisted his ankle, sprained his ankle. It's questionable. The last like 35 seconds against the Magic. And he asked to come out of the game. It was kind of weird because he like 
hit his free throw, stole the ball, and then asked to come out again. And he's questionable for the Bucks. We'll see if he plays tonight. Maybe we'll get an update while we're recording this. I, I highly doubt it because we're recording this around 5 o'clock, and it might be just a little bit too early for an update. But, you know, it's just a bummer because I think that's kind of what the Pacers are thinking. Like, let's just be super cautious with everything. And I can see them doing the same thing with Miles because we know that the trade deadline is a very important date for, for them and Miles, depending on what they decide to do, whether they keep him or move him. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like before Tyrese gets back and if they can even find a way to get another victory. But the loss of Andrew Nimhart, I mean, that is not a, a, a slight loss. He's one of your best defenders. He's your other ball handler out there. Trevor and Queens been having to play some backup point guard, and he didn't really fill that uh, fill that void very well. So they end up going with Buddy Heald as a backup point guard in those games. And yes, it's, it's just tough to rely on McConnell to play 40-plus minutes a night and be able to do what he does because TJ McConnell at his best is just running all over the place and, and probably playing like 22 to 25 minutes at most. When he's having to uh, overexert himself an extra 20 minutes a game, that's going to be pretty tough, Fletch. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, McConnell is the player that's taken his game to the next level without Hal Burton, and we really needed it. I know it hasn't translated to wins, but no one's going to blame McConnell for it. He's he's taken his game up a notch, and just to kind of shed some light on McConnell recently, I mean, this is this is a guy that last month, um, but before the injury, was averaging about five points per game. Uh, four assists, not, not much, but that's your backup point guard coming off the bench. 
This month, he's averaging 12.8 points per game on 65% shooting from the field. A blistering, I know it's since McConnell, you got to take it with a grain of salt, 70% from three. Yes, it's just seven of 10, but this is, this is McConnell we're talking about. And then also 6.8 assists per game to just 2.2 turnovers. It's a great ratio, three assists to one uh, turnover. So that's that's all in the month. If you want to just say without Halliburton in that in those eight games, you're talking about 16 points per game on 58% shooting, um, seven of eight from three, nine of nine from the free throw line, and 8.6 assists per game in Halliburton's absence. I mean, could you really possibly even ask for more out of McConnell during this stretch? Yeah, and he's getting five rebounds a game in that stretch too, Fachi, yeah. over the last yeah. 10 games. So it's like this guy's just been everywhere. And unfortunately, like if you look at plus minus, it's like it's not his fault. It's not. <laughs> he's the only one that's been able to be out there and kind of get things going. But I think what's interesting, Fachi, you bring up the three-point percentage. I know he's not taking a ton this year, so he won't qualify. But for the entire season right now, he's a 50-40-90 guy. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. It's, it's mind-blowing, but... T.J. McConnell is legitimately a 50-40-90 guy, um, but not enough attempts. But still, like, this is the kind of season he's turning this into after, like you said, what looked like a pretty mediocre to forgettable season from him. It wasn't one that was, like, really jumping off the, the stat page, and everybody was ready to trade him. Everyone was ready to give Andrew Nimhard the keys to the second unit. But McConnell has just stepped up proven why he's a veteran, proven why he belongs on this team. And, you know, I, I've been really praising him. And I think for me, it's just partially because I felt like I undervalued him a little bit once we brought him back. I felt like, man, that's a lot of money to give a backup point guard that can't shoot. And so I thought, what, what are we doing? But as I've just continued to watch him play, he just brings so much to this team, Fachi, that you just can't really just replicate. You can't replace what he brings to this team. And that's why I feel like it's going to be a really hard sell to, to the front office to move him or the coaching staff because that is how important he is to this team on and off the floor. I know. I know there's going to be part of the fan base that's like, fire sale. Like, move McConnell while you can. His, his value won't be higher on the year than it is right now. And that is a true statement. His value is as high as it's probably going to get. But you could just see when, when Halliburton and Nemhart are still as young as they are, a guy like McConnell is always ready. I mean, I know Lance Stevens is born ready, but McConnell's staying ready. And <laughs> and I, I think this is just his value in a nutshell. Next year, it's going to be uh, probably that might be maybe the time for the Pacers to move on as they do want to, you know, give the full keys to Nemhard and Halliburton. But for right now, TJ McConnell has been a vital part of this Pacers team. And I, I like what I see out there. He plays hard every single night. And in that game against Orlando, I know you mentioned, hey, he was a minus 15. Well, he was also 8 of 8 from the field. So there's just not that much more that McConnell could be doing. He's had a triple-double over over that eight-game stretch um, against the Bucs. He looked out of this world. So for McConnell, just a pro's pro and someone that I feel like embodies Pacer basketball. Well, what's really interesting, Fachi, is his lowest shooting percentage through this eight-game stretch from the field. 53 and 53.3% uh, when they played the Phoenix Suns last week. I mean, 53.3% is a really good percentage, and that's his worst. Oh, yeah. So he's been playing really well. And I think another guy that has been playing better, and I know that we were kind of hoping he would eventually break out of the slump, but over the last seven games, Chris Duarte Fachi has really stepped up his game and averaging 12.7 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. 
And what's really nice about that is most of these games, he's scoring in double digits. Now, he's had a couple stinkers here where he only scored like two and he scored like six. But besides that, he's put up some big numbers, 25. He had 16 against the Magic, 11 against the Bulls, um, 18, I think, against the Nuggets on the road. So it's like 11 against OKC. These are all pretty impressive. And and he played 39 minutes against against the Magic. But before that, he really wasn't playing more than about 22 minutes a game. So you like to see that he's stepped up a little bit. And I, I think the more important question is, how are we feeling about his new hairdo? It's interesting. It's interesting. I, I kind of um, like it, actually. I yeah, think it, you know, it, it makes him like, look, this is different. It makes him look tougher, in my opinion. Okay. I, I could definitely agree with you there. Does look a little bit tougher. And when you want to talk about being tough, maybe not just settling for threes, this is something that I saw. Duarte has attempted 30 free throws over his last seven games. Mm, that's, that's over good. over four game. He's shooting 26 of 30 from the line during that span. 41 overall free throws on the month. So, hey, I like that. That's actually the most he's ever had in any calendar month. Wow. Pretty interesting. Uh, last month, I think he had 11 free throws overall on the whole month. Next, well, uh, uh, next after having just three steals... In his first 25 games of the season, he's now had 10 steals in his last four games. So Six against the Magic. Yeah. So, I mean, he's really stepped it up lately, and I know stepping up is, you know, I mean, there was a long way to step up from where he'd been. But over the last seven, eight games, he's he's really improved, and and that's kind of something that's going a bit under the radar because it's overshadowed by the losses. But if the Pacers were looking to trade Duarte, uh, these last seven or eight games could have only helped. Well, he is shooting 38% from three over the last seven games, Fachi, mm-hmm. which is really good. And speaking of trading Duarte, I know this has kind of been a back and forth conversation that people are having on social media. There's been some reports about it. I know Sam Amico put it out there now. Sam Amico is not the reliable one. Sam Amick is the mm-hmm. one. I just honestly shared what he what he put out. And a report just to say people from clicking on it. I didn't say that I agreed with it. I just said this is what Sam Amico said in his latest article. And I have people messaging me like, uh, you know, Amico's not reliable. I'm like, trust me, I've been covering the Pacers for this podcast for about five years now. I, I think I have an idea of, of who, who I can trust and who I can't. But it is interesting because Scott Agnes was on the radio, like I said. And one other thing that he brought up is there have been scouts from other teams at the Pacers games. And he was kind of thinking to himself like, why is this person here? You know, we're not the Pacers aren't playing that team on the schedule anytime soon. A lot of people, from what I think he said on the radio, people are coming to scout Chris Duarte and maybe his trade value. So the way he's been playing, Fachi, I do think this could be beneficial to him. It, it really could. I think that if that is the case, someone might want to tell him to tone down his frustrations. You know, let's watch out for those chairs. Uh, because, you know, we want him to be in, in, a, in a good headspace. And I think that he needed this stretch to have the ball in his hands a little bit more. An uptick in minutes. Uh, he's been averaging 24.6 minutes without Halliburton. He's shooting. A, he's getting a few more shots up per game. And he's still, you know, the thing that matters most, he's still shooting the three ball really well. Like you mentioned, 38% from three over that seven-game stretch. That's that's where you want to be. I mean, no matter who you are, 38% is nothing to scoff at. That is a, a really good percentage from three. So 
I like what I've seen uh, recently, but another player that I think is also really taking his game to the next level recently, Benedict Matherin. You know, we didn't get to talk about it, but in that Chicago game, in that final minute, mm. he hit some really big shots. And that's what I, we talked about in the beginning of the years. I want to see Matherin. That was like one of my asks for when the game is kind of on the line or when it matters most, I would love to see him come through. Hit a really big three against Chicago that put them away for good. And on the month, he's having a really good bounce back month compared to December. He's averaging 18.8 points per game on 44.3% shooting. Um, from three-point land, it's unfortunate, just below 27%. But he's also averaging four and a half rebounds. And Alex, get this, eight free throw attempts per game on the month. Mm-hmm. I mean, the crazy thing, his numbers only get better in the last you know, a few games without Tyrese Halliburton. Last four games, let's put it, because, you know, that makes it look a little bit better. 23.5 points per game on 45% shooting. He's averaging 15.5 shot attempts during that span. 10.2 free throw attempts per game. Mm. He's being far more aggressive, and I love exactly what I'm seeing. And you know, in that Magic game against Paolo, it meant a little bit more when it's you're talking about Rookie of the Year versus Rookie of the Year, that race. 18 uh, field goal attempts, that's the second most he shot in any game. Makes me believe he wanted that game. Oh, he, he definitely wanted that game. And I thought it was super close uh, statistic-wise because they both had four assists, three rebounds. Uh, Boncaro had two steals to Matherin's one, but they both had one block. Boncaro had four turnovers, Matherin zero. Matherin had 26 points, Boncaro had 23. So you couldn't really have asked for more identical statistics. I mean, really, from either of them. And and obviously, Paulo had the ball in his hands probably a little bit more than Matherin in terms of being a facilitator and that kind of thing. But, you know, you, you really like seeing these two go head-to-head and admit something. And I, and I love seeing that competitiveness because I think they were even chirping at one another uh, to start the first quarter whenever Matherin came in. And I, and I love that. I mean, Matherin takes this stuff personal, and that's what I love to see. But Fachi, what I love even more about this is they played. he's played 13 games in the month of January. He's only had one game where he didn't score double digits, and that was against the Charlotte Hornets. That was the last game that Tyrese played when he was fully healthy before he went out against the Knicks, and he only had four points in that game, and he really struggled in that one. Shot 11%. He was 1-9 of nine from the field, and he only went 2-3 or three from the free throw line. And it was like, okay, this is just a bad game from him. But if you take away that game, he scored in double digits 12 of the last 13. And like you said, he's been playing – Insane basketball, 19 points against Denver, 23 against Phoenix, 26 against Chicago, 26 against Orlando. It's like he's just continuing once again to put up 20-point games. I think he's had a, he's had six out of the thir- uh, 13 games have been 20-point games. So, honestly, when it comes to Matherin, he's probably not going to win Rookie of the Year. I think everybody's aware of that. We don't need to have this huge debate on Twitter between who's the better rookie of the year between Paolo and Matherin. I just love that we have two really awesome players in the league. And at the end of the day, Matherin is just doing a terrific job with what he's asked to do. And anybody that says he's only going up against bench players, that kind of stuff. When the man's playing 33 minutes, 34 minutes, 38 minutes, 32 minutes, 39 minutes, Fachi, he ain't playing against no bench players the whole game. He's going against starter level players too. So that narrative is a little bit over the top and, um, I, I saw some Magic fans even saying like he's like a James Harden type. All he wants to do is draw free throws. It's like, hey, you know what? James Harden is one of the best scorers ever to play in yeah. the NBA. If you want to use that as a criticism because you don't like the style, I'll gladly wear that with a badge of honor. 
Yeah, Harden was an MVP in this league, a guy who had a season where he averaged over 35 points per game. But the difference was Harden was kind of trying to play some tricks to draw fouls. Matherin will go straight at you. Uh, so I think it's a different style. But, hey, look, if you're going to compare one of our players to James Harden, I'm sorry, but I'm going to take that every single day. Uh, but one interesting fact that I saw, look, Aaron Neesmith, he struggled lately, no doubt about it. I think he's someone who probably has missed Tyrese Halliburton about the most. So before Halliburton went down, Neesmith had scored in double figures in six straight games. All right, He was averaging 14 points per game on 53% shooting and 44% from three before, I believe he got sick, was non-COVID, Halliburton went down. Since then, Neesmith's shooting 23% from the field, 24% from three. But the reason why I bring that up it's because I've mentioned it before that I felt that Neesmith is like the X factor on this Pacers team. Well, look at this. Alex grabbed my shovel and I started digging. I, I was digging for stats. The Pacers are 7-1 and one on the season when Neesmith scores 15 or more. I mm. truly feel that he he is what makes the difference. He's that that fifth starter that's really giving you, you know, extra production. But also we're 11-7 and seven this season when he just scores in double figures. So that means that the Pacers are 13 and 19 when he either scores below double digits or is out. So essentially, you're telling me when he's giving you 10 or more, you're four games above 500. When he's not, you're six games below 500. So he's someone that you really want to get Aaron Eastmith going if the Pacers are really going to be able to get over the hump against some of those teams that maybe you didn't expect to beat because you know he's going to bring it on defense. Yeah, I mean, I think offensively he is just an up and down roller coaster, Fachi, and that's why I'm just not sold on him being a long term starter. Neither am I. Neither am I. This, this is why, like, we were so cold on him to start the year, and then he had a really nice stretch there. I think it was like end of November, all of December, pretty much. December, he was a beast. Yeah, I mean, we were like, okay, this guy has turned the page, and then it's like has a bit of a. I think he had a wrist injury, and then ended up having some sickness. And he missed a couple of games. He comes back in January. Tyrese isn't here. And he has not looked the same. And it could be part of the wrist injury. It could be part of the sickness. It could just be not having Halliburton. It could be a combination of all these things. I'm not going to write the guy off, okay? Because I did that already early in the season. I kind of just wrote him off, thought, okay, well, it was a decent try at a trade, but probably not going to end up working out like you hope. But I still think he can be a very impactful bench player, X factor, when this team finally gets all their pieces that they need, right? Because we're still lacking a lot of talent on this Pacers roster. Like, no doubt about it. You take Tyrese off, good teams like, look at what the Grizzlies did last year without John Morant. They were able to continue to win games. The Pacers cannot do that. So they are not a good team yet. They are a fun team on the rise that is not good yet. So I, I think once you find more pieces that can kind of fit what this Pacer team needs, and that's probably the power forward and small forward position, you can put Aaron Eastman on the bench and you don't have to rely on him, like you said, to have such an efficient night to where <laughs> him playing well is going to determine whether you're above 500 or not. So that's that's where I'm at with it. I think Neesmith is uh, a talented player. I think he's really found a home here in Indiana, does a lot of the dirty work, and he's really fun to root for. But at the same time, I think maybe we should just realize who he is as a player overall in the league and hopefully not get – our expectations too high for him because I think at this point he really is just a role player. 
Yeah, look, he's taken a solid step forward. He the, the ups and downs have been there. I mean, if we're going to be very specific, he, in the, over his last three games, he's two of twenty-two from the field. Ooh. So <laughs> that that's some big time struggles right there. There are things that he has done well, but it's a lot to rely on him to give us, you know, fifteen a game. But I do think that he could be an efficient, you know, rotational guy who's playing hard on defense. You know, making some plays, hitting a three here or there. Either way, he's he's shown that he's he's finding a home, just like you mentioned over there. But th- there's a lot of other guys that you know their numbers are down. And the the last one I really want to touch on, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald, right now, we know is him and and Tyrese. They're two peas in a pod. And last month in December, Buddy Heald averaged eighteen point eight points per game on fifty one percent shooting and fifty one and a half percent from three. In the eight games without Halliburton this month, he's averaging 14.3 points per game on 39% shooting. And this is the surprising part. Still 41% from three. That's how good of a shooter he is. That that blew my mind. But also, this is kind of interesting. Buddy driving more, 19 free throw attempts over the last eight games compared to just 11 free throw attempts all of last month. His assists are up. We, we talked about it. He's trying to do a little bit more being a playmaker, but it has led to more turnovers, 2.3 turnovers per game over those eight games. But he's also stepped it up defensively in terms of two steals per game over that stretch. So it, there, there's there's some stuff to definitely like, but uh, there's also, you know, some stuff where, man, you just know that the connection between Halliburton and Buddy is so real that it allows Buddy Hill to shoot 10% better from three and he's already at his worst, or not really his worst, though, shooting 41% from three. So it's just like he becomes this, like, ungodly type three-point shooter with Halliburton. And then without him, you know, still a good player, but just not the same. Chemistry matters, Fachi. And I think people forget how important chemistry is. And I think it, it can really keep a team together longer than they probably should talent-wise. And have seen that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all over the place. Like, even some great teams that – you know, their chemistry keeps them together longer than they probably should, but they still make a good playoff run, probably not a championship-level team. But, you know, it's just chemistry really does matter. And I think just Tyrese being able to get Buddy the ball where he wants it and where he needs it is huge. Now, I think sometimes you've seen Buddy kind of have to create his own offense a little bit more without Tyrese, and the offense can get a little bit stagnant when you're trying to find different ways to score because we know Matherin's not really a, a ball mover. Nope. He's a he's a scorer, right? And, and so you're kind of relying upon McConnell to get the offense going, and then everybody just kind of doing their part. But when they run actions for Buddy, that is you know Rick Carlisle trying to get him going, and then other times it just comes within the flow. But you know, Buddy Buddy's a, a shot maker. Buddy can do a lot of different things. But you're right, it, it's just a lot easier out there when Tyrese is you know dissecting the defense and finding different ways to get him involved and. Because Tyrese just has such a natural way to glide to the basket, Fachi, it's just more it's more fluent, and it, it just opens up so much more for everybody else, and that's why it's been such a bummer. But um, before we continue, I do want to give you an update. We talked about Miles Turner. Ooh. There was a report. Rick Carlisle said Miles Turner, Andrew Nimhard, and Aaron Neesmith are available oh. against the Milwaukee Bucks. So... Looks like we're just waiting now patiently for Kendall Brown, Daniel Tice, and Tyrese Halliburton once again to come off that injury report. 
that's a very interesting report because I, I did think that, you know, Turner with the ankle issue, if, if he was able to, to rest against Milwaukee, which is always an uphill battle. I mean, Milwaukee just beat us without Giannis and Chris Middleton. So I felt like that could have been an opportunity to rest him, you know, and then and pick up the next game on Sunday, especially with the deadline coming up. But clearly that ankle is good enough. So I, I like it. I, th- I think the Pacers are in major need of, you know, getting a win, but also just getting that team out there. So it's great to see Andrew Nemhart back in the lineup. We know that it wasn't COVID, but man, clearly this this guy has been under the weather for upwards of a week. Great to see that he's making a recovery. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what we got against Milwaukee because Alex, to be honest, I don't remember the last time we beat Milwaukee. It's it's been tough, Giannis or no Giannis. It was actually back in uh, 2020. T.J. Warren had 35 points. Hey, miss those days. Yes, T.J. Warren had 35 points, but like you said, no Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think it was right before the bubble shut down. That's why it's so <laughs> fresh. In or not the bubble, but COVID shut the league down before we went to the bubble. So that that re, that's just like uh, everything before the bubble. I kind of forget, but I yeah, do remember it, it was an ESPN game, and we were getting we were down big, and we came back and won it. And I was like, okay, this team is special because. Everybody loved the 1920 season. Oh, yeah. You know, we had uh, Brogdon and Warren there for their first years. And Oladipo, I think he made his return against the Bulls right before that. So everybody was getting super excited. And then, boom, COVID hit. And then we had the Oladipo didn't want to play in the bubble stuff. And then Sabonis got the plantar fascia. And I was just like, man, this this team can't catch a break. And thank God we don't have to talk about that anymore, Fachi. But... Um, I have nothing else to say for today's podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to, to I say? I just want to say, whenever I think of playing the Bucks and ESPN, I think of that time that the Bucks just <laughs> completely smoked us and Giannis was on the bench, you know, taking pictures with like a photographer, you know, a camera and that, that made ESPN. They didn't show any of our highlights. So, you know, I'm a little bit scarred from that, a little PTSD, but that's why when I think of like, when was the last time we beat the Bucks with Giannis? Then that, that's a whole other story. I think that takes me back when like Thad Young played 18, really 19. good yes, and, and I think it's been Thad Young played really good defense on him I think he held him to like 12 points or or something of the sort that, that's that's what I really remember but either way that shows it's been way too long hopefully the Pacers can end that streak against Milwaukee but hey Alex I'm ready to wrap this up if you are let's do it Fachi tell the people where they can find us at please tell them nicely on social media Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You could find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You could find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Yes, you can go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Jake Fisher, our interview was scheduled for Monday. Got moved to Wednesday, which is not a bad thing because it's getting us closer to the trade deadline. So Jake Fisher, that'll be out Wednesday for you. He is a great, uh, he's writing for Yahoo Sports now, a great reporter for Yahoo Sports. So make sure you check that out. And then on Monday, Fachi, let's go ahead and let the people know what's going on. It is the Setting the Pace annual Trade Ideas podcast. So Fachi and I will be bringing our fake trades or trade ideas to the table to discuss them, to think what we're going, uh, talk about what we're thinking here and talk our selves through these trades but Fachi I've already been working on some of mine and I'm trying to do something different that I haven't done oh and that does not include the same player in the same trade so I'm trying to find like I think we're gonna be probably like five each I'm trying to find different players combinations to involve in trades so for example I will not be trading Daniel Tice in like four different trades same with Goga 
I probably do one trade with Goga and that means I can't do any more. So I have to be very careful with how I do this. So it's a challenge for me to not just, you know, key in on one player. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just letting you know how I'm approaching it. Interesting stuff. Five trades, huh? You know, I love a, a good rule to break. So you never know if I'll show up with six or an honorable uh, mention or yeah. anything of the sort, but always Make sure a you number time. them this time. this time. I will be numbering them. So I'm going to make the math a little bit easier to do, but yeah, as we approach the trade deadline, look guys, it's a fun time in the NBA. It's like that time where it feels similar to the draft of like anything could happen. You never know. And look at where this team was at last year before the deadline. And look at where we're at now in terms of like Tyrese Halliburton being potentially, he was on the cusp of being an all-star starter. That's what the trade deadline can do for you. So anything can happen here. Alex, I'm excited to, to you know, make some of those mock trades and see if any of them materialize by February 9th. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens there, Fachi. But let's go ahead and close this out. So if you are hoping that Benedict Matherin gets another 20-point game here in the month of January to close this out. Hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.